Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Man, we're really excited to be here. It's awesome to get started. And so now we take off. This is the Training Camp Report with Tom Otterman and Bob Labriola on Steelers Nation Radio. So much to get to today uh, on this edition of the Training Camp Report. It's almost overwhelming for me to look at my notes and see all the things we have to touch on. But first and foremost, and the most important news, we got to talk about Kenny Pickett, or should I say Kenny Griffey Jr. winning the Steelers' <laughs> home run derby yesterday. Moonshots were coming off of Kenny's bat. I saw a couple clips online. It's got to be the gloves, right? Two gloves when you wear, uh, when you're in the batter's box for baseball. Two gloves for Kenny on his hands when he's playing football. That's just it helps with that grip. Easy money. Or either that, or maybe you need to check to see if the bat was corked. Oh, don't say that. Why? Why do you have to well, just go metal, to the cheating was, side of things already? It was a it was a metal bat. You can't cork a metal. Oh, bat. you can cork a metal bat. <laughs> Trust me. I don't think you need to. That's why it's a, they use metal ones. But, you know, they used to play an actual softball game. Really? And, Before it was just the, the derby? Right. Wow. And, um, well, the, <laughs> the problem with that was uh, <laughs> is Mike Tomlin, you know, he'd watch, and then he'd, I'd ask him about it later the next day, a couple days later or something, and he'd always say, yeah, watching that softball game, our guys picked the right sport. <laughs> uh, um, because I I said, who plays? Because you figure um, shortstop and center field are the two positions, you know, uh, where, you'd, you, where you would put your most athletic people right. because I would imagine most of the balls go there. Um, he said, yeah, there were only two guys on the whole roster who could play shortstop, Ben and Troy. Makes sense. He said every. Everybody else was a football player, you know, trying to catch ground balls. Um, so then they uh, altered it to home run derby. <laughs> Save some embarrassment. And, yeah, um, but my understanding is, aren't too many? You know, they they play it on the the baseball field here, right? And so there's a, actually a fence. You know, it's it's like a legit because you got to hit it over the fence. It's yeah. a snow fence, but you got to hit it over the fence. Uh, and there's not a lot of guys that can do that either. So um, maybe Kenny Pickett has some, you know, baseball in his background, high school or something. I don't know because usually uh, the guys who win uh, um, either have some history with the sport or, you know, are those kinds of athletes that are just, you know, maybe destined to be in the Hall of Fame. Certainly from the Ben and Troy uh, 
tree, that would be an accurate statement. You heard it here first. Kenny Pickett destined to be in the Hall of Fame (laughs) due to his home run prowess. (laughs) Yeah, right. Well, first of all, he has to break all of Dan Marino's records again. Yes, of course. Of course. People are starting that already. That is so unfair to him. Just so unfair. You know, that's such a good point. You know, it it really is. And it's the least favorite thing that happens with any prospect that comes out of a draft. Oh, this guy looks like the next Marino. Oh, this guy looks like the next Barry Sanders. Talk about a bar that's just impossible to achieve. You're just going to set the guy up for criticism no matter what he does. Right. Uh, And, you know, just because, you know, he broke Dan Marino's records at Pitt. Um, Alex Van Pelt broke Dan Marino's records (laughs) at Pitt. Um, So, you know, it's, again, like I said, it's just so unfair uh, because, as you said, you set the bar so ridiculously high. You know, let's let's remember that Marino uh, transformed the game in terms of quarterback play. Yes. I mean, he threw 48 touchdown passes in 1984. That, that, that didn't happen. You know, now it's, um, you know, with teams throwing the ball like they do and, you know, all that kind of stuff, you know, 40-plus touchdown passes is not a unicorn stat like it was right. in the 80s. And just the – to, to put that on a, uh, a young player who hadn't taken, you know, uh, an NFL snap saying that he's going to be the next Dan Marino is just, like I said, <laughs> God, you know, let, let, him, let him grow into his career a little bit and, and you know, find his way. Uh, I don't know, I just, it just, it's annoying. Everything has to be um, taken to the extreme. Uh, so anyway, but yeah, Kenny Pickett won the, um, won the home run derby. I don't know what you get for that. Uh, I think you got a custom bro. bat. I saw, was that I the saw one on they social used? media, yeah, you had a bat, it said Steelers on it, home run derby champ. Took a picture with Coach oh. Tomlin afterwards. So he's got a nice little black Steelers bat now to forever remember. Okay, right. Put it in the corner of his room, uh, in, in a room of his house. Um, you know, yay. <laughs> well, it was a big day for Kenny beyond just winning the Herman Derby, and we'll get to that in just a second. I want to touch on a couple housekeeping things. Uh, it was roster move day on Tuesday. They had to cut down their rosters, so the Steelers did so in compliance with the league. Uh, after practice, they actually claimed center Ryan McCollum off of waivers from Detroit and waived center Nate Gilliam. Uh, earlier in the day, they also signed guard William Dunkel, who was originally signed with the Eagles as an undrafted rookie in May. He played his college ball at San Diego State. Uh, a couple of guys placed on injured reserved or reserve slash injured list, Carl Joseph and Anthony Miller. So unfortunate news for both of those guys as their seasons will be done. And the other waves that the team made to get down to 80 players, defensive tackle Doug Costin, offensive tackle Jake Dixon, punter Cameron Nazaliak, and center Chris Owens. The next roster move – oh, sorry, that was to get to 85. The next roster move is to get to 80 on Tuesday, August 23rd. Uh, pretty easy to go from uh, 90 to 85, wouldn't you say? Yes. Um, as I, as I uh, term it, my wife could do that. <laughs> um, and, you know, Jake Dixon, just a quick little note on him. The kid from Duke, he's a, the kid from Duke. A fellow Duke, yes. So, yeah, so, um, <clears throat> you know, local, some local ties. Uh, but, you know, uh, Duquesne is not a Power 5 conference school. Um, he had a very uphill battle uh, trying to make the team. And, it, you know, a lot of times um, 
the guys even realize it themselves that, you know, they're not cut out for this. Uh, and again, it's unfortunate a dream dies, but, uh, you can always say you, you spend a training camp in an NFL for an NFL team. And for the Steelers, you know, I don't know if Jake Dixon was from Pittsburgh originally. He might've been, but spending his time at Duquesne the past couple of seasons, you know, you obviously get to know how important the Steelers are to the city and how big of a deal it is. So yeah, it's still an incredible life-changing experience. And the Steelers are pretty good at that, aren't they? At bringing in some local college kids for those first couple uh, of weeks of training camp, you know, give them a run, give them a tryout, and then, you know, most likely send them on their way, but with a nice experience under their belt. Yeah, and, and, you know, Jake Dixon, due respect to him, I mean, he had NFL size. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they the Steelers, don't, they don't really um, – you know, give out those contracts as party favors because you you do have to understand. <laughs> well, he signs, you know, uh, a, a standard NFL contract. He has to be paid the NFL rookie minimum. So let's just pretend, you know, it didn't happen, fortunately for him, because you never want to see someone injured. But, I mean, if he ended up like uh, Anthony Miller or Carl Joseph, then you have to – you he, he earns his pay. Yeah. And you got and, and you got to take that money off the salary cap. So – I'm only saying that because just to uh, make it clear that it was one of those, hey, let's give the local kid a contract. You know, one of those, they, you know, they legitimately, legitimately saw some things in Jake Dixon that maybe they thought they could develop or, you know, whatever. Um, and it didn't work out. And that's okay. I, I, I wish Jake Dixon nothing but the best, you know, moving forward, whatever career he, he decides on. I mean, the NFL isn't for everyone. You know, you and I have done great. We're not NFL players. <laughs> I don't know if I've done so great. It was a little bit of a stretch there. You gave me a little too much credit. Uh, back to Kenny, though. Mentioned he had a big day beyond just winning that home run derby. Got elevated to first team reps during practice. Two-minute drill took on the first team. Was decently successful, but the drive stalled out at the 14-yard line as they were trying to punch it in for a touchdown. Uh, you just keep seeing Kenny get elevated more and more. Uh, I believe this was really the first run he had with the first team. Uh, he didn't drop below any below the second team at all in the past couple of days. Uh, they keep saying this is part of a plan, this is part of a plan, but you're starting to see a little smoke maybe towards this fire. Well, um, let me say this. I think that um, you know there's only three preseason games. Uh, so... I think they want to get a look at him. You know, you, mm-hmm. you, you want to see him um, both with better players and against better players to maybe gauge his uh, progress a little bit. Uh, I still don't – I still think it's pre- it would be premature to say that, you know, he's on track to be the starter on September 11th in Cincinnati. But, I mean, certainly – he has not shown, to my untrained eye at least, that he is that it's too big for him. Right. So, uh, as you mentioned, you know, he's he's taking steps. He's he's progressing. But you know, here's the other thing, and we were talking about this last night on the DVE uh, live from training camp DVE special, the third of the the third of three. You know, usually in the NFL, there has to be some accompanying. Uh, in, in addition to a player's good showing, there has to be some accompanying bad performance by someone above you on the depth chart yes. for you to make a, a leap and then have it be permanent. 
So, you know, I don't think that either of the two quarterbacks ahead of Kenny Pickett on the depth chart, and I, I say that, you know, understanding that the depth chart is not etched in stone, um, but they haven't performed poorly enough to complement his improvement for uh, the coaching staff to make a permanent move beyond would like to see him against mm-hmm. better players. So, you know, we're going to have to see how this works out. I know um, fans don't like Mason Rudolph for whatever reason. Um, <laughs> and <clears throat> But he has not played poorly. He has not. He didn't play poorly in the game. He hasn't had uh, poor practices. Uh, I think he has, and I don't keep this, So, but this is the, the scuttlebutt. He has thrown, Mason Rudolph has thrown fewer interceptions than either of the other two guys. So by that metric, anyway, he's having the best training yeah. camp. Um, so, again, there's there's time. I, I think that uh, they, they, the coaches will want to see him in Jacksonville against better competition. And then you see how he does. Um, or maybe um, Mason Rudolph or Mitch Trubisky or, you know, has a bad game. And then you have some thinking to do in terms of weighing a good performance by one guy and a bad performance by another guy. And does that necessitate a change? So we'll have to see. We'll have to see how it unfolds. Coach Tomlin spoke to the media following practice yesterday. Let's take a listen to some of Coach's thoughts on the training camp report. Another good day. Um, get some pointed work done, continuing to work in some situational football things that, that we need to tune up. Uh, but also just really excited about getting an extended look at some guys that have missed time for a variety of injuries and so forth. Um, we got a significant number of guys um, that are working in, in various forms or, or levels of, of work. And, and our goal is to keep that moving forward in an effort to get those guys to the stadium this week. And so it's a big week for guys like Dotson and Avery and others. And if you saw them getting additional reps, they need the exposure. We need the exposure to them. And, and equally as important, they need the readiness as we, as we step into a stadium this weekend. A um, few minor injury things. Arthur Millette um, appears to have a minor um, hamstring of some kind that could be described as day-to-day. Uh, Master Teague had a, had a low ankle. Um, I think it could be described as day-to-day at this juncture, but obviously we'll have more information uh, as we move forward. Questions? Was Benny Snell one of those guys, too, that you wanted to get some more to? No, he wasn't. Uh, Benny's been out here largely. Um, we know Benny. He, he wouldn't fall into that category, no. Mike, what's the significance of having Hayward and, and Minka be so involved a couple weeks into camp, be that competitiveness. How does that rub off, you think, on your We expect that from those guys. Uh, you can't lead from the back. Um, and those guys are leaders for, for us, and, and and their presence is, is always felt. A couple of us were speaking with Coach Austin earlier today um, about Minka and his ability to create turnovers and maybe getting back to more of those this year. Um, is there any way for you guys to free him up to do more of that? Is there anything more he can do? First? Believe me, there is nothing wrong with Minka or his turnover ability or tally. Sometimes. Is, is circumstantial, you know. Um, we didn't stop to run well enough a year ago. Uh, so if you're looking for something to blame in regards to that or a storyline relative to that, Minka's a great football player. There was no lack of production in that area from him. Coach, speaking of uh, Minka, he had several one-on-ones with, with George. How did George fare against an all-pro caliber safety? As George, you know what I mean? We, the exposure was not for Minka. 
it was for George. Is that something you guys built into practice, or they asked you? Uh, it was thoughtful by us. Have you been able to talk to Anthony or Carl since we became official? I have not. Yeah. Mike, you talked early about being here and the camaraderie and the off-the-field development you get from this place. Can you feel or measure that now, or is it kind of a wait-and-see-how it went thing? I don't know that you can ever measure it, but I think any of us that's been involved in team sports at any level uh, appreciates it, that which we cannot measure, that component that comprises team, uh, camaraderie, togetherness, selflessness, and things of that nature. Uh, all of us have been on teams most of our lives. We got a respect and appreciation for it, and uh, we thoughtfully pour into it. What are your thoughts on how the two-minute unfolded at the end? I look at the tape, obviously. It's always ebb and flow. Uh, defense appears to be warming up to the drill. Offense was dominating the drill at the early portions of camp. But as you guys know, uh, it's football-like, not necessarily football. There's components of the drill uh, that we control uh, from an administrative standpoint to get looks at certain things, and that's just the reality of practice. That's Coach Tomlin speaking to the media following yesterday's practice. He mentioned, you know, working guys back into the fold a little extra hard that have missed some time. Dotson was a guy's name that really popped up. Such a crucial week for those guys. You know, Dotson especially, still in that position battle with Kendrick Green, has kind of fallen behind the eight ball a little bit due to injury. Going to get ramped up a lot more this week leading into that game against Jacksonville. And if he stays healthy, hopefully see a lot of playing time against Jacksonville. Yeah, and that certainly will um... – I, I would imagine it's going to test his uh, conditioning too, because right. I, I cannot imagine, you know, up here the last couple of days, I've actually worn a jacket outside, which is, <laughs> you know, I don't think, you know, I was trying to remember, except for an occasional rainy day, I don't ever remember wearing anything except t-shirts and shorts uh, on campus because it's usually so miserably hot and humid. Um, but you know, all of a sudden now, uh, we went from, uh, tropical kind of, uh, conditions, meaning hot and humid and then rain every afternoon. Um, to, I don't know, like I said, it's, it, I don't know that my air conditioning in the room has been on the last week plus. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's how cold it's even cold at night. So, um, you know, Jacksonville is not going to be like that. Not at all. Uh, you know, we've heard Mike Tomlin say he uh, practice. He likes to practice at two in the afternoon because it's in the heat of the day. Well, the kickoff in Jacksonville is seven o'clock. <laughs> That'll still be the heat of the day down there, I would imagine. So, um, you know, you mentioned the uh, left guard competition. Uh, this, to me, is just worth noting. Uh, I think it was not yesterday, but the day before. Uh, Kendrick Green was injured. Uh, the first play of seven shots. And I, I kind of think, you know, I was trying to look at it through the binoculars and, you know, see what it is. John Norwig was out there, you know, looking at him. Maybe it was a finger, you know, dislocated finger or something mm -hmm. right. because he walked them up. They walked up to the, you know, back into the locker room. And then Kendrick Green came back out and finished practice. So, um, you know, he's not, he's not missing any significant time uh and then he was out there yesterday doing you know the regular he was out there from the beginning and uh he was the um you know he took his they alternate dots and, and kendrick green uh at, at left guard with the number ones and so he took his normal you know shift uh at that position rotating through in team drills so you know he is continuing to to work to get better and 
Again, you know, the offensive line experts will be on at 10 o'clock, so you can uh, tune into that. I, I, I'm serious. Um, they, they are better at it than me, no for question. sure. So, um, you know, as far as who's winning it or not. But, you know, Kevin Dotson, that, his, that has been one of the things that have held him back is his um, minor injury history. So, yeah, I, I do think that, um, you know, getting him back, playing him a lot is part of the plan, not only to catch him up, so to speak, but also to, you know, see his durability. Can he, can he, is he someone that you can count on uh, on a consistent basis? Because I don't think you want to be constantly um, changing your left guard because one guy's always nicked up. You heard Coach Tomlin say at the end of his little press conference there about the defense really winning a lot more of the ebb and the flow of the two-minute drill uh, thus far in camp. We'll get into that on the other side of the break, and we're also going to hear from defensive captain Cam Hayward. So that's on the way right here on the Training Camp Report on SNR. This is the Training Camp Report with Tom Opperman and Bob Labriola on Steelers Nation Radio. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real Steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. We're going to get into the defense in just a little bit here, but it's so important and it helps a defense so much when you're dominating the field position battle. And having a great punter can go a long way when it comes to winning that battle. And labs, a lot of people have question marks about Presley Harvin. But yesterday was one of the most impressive days of Harvin's young Steelers career as far as the booming punts that he was letting go at St. Vincent College. Really put on a show yesterday. I mean, I don't know if it had anything to do with the fact that uh, by the time they took the field, he was the only punter on the 90, well, 85-man roster. Right. Um, but, um, you know, one of the couple of the things I think that uh, sometimes – College punters have need some time to adjust to coming to the NFL. Are the K balls? K balls are the balls that in the NFL that they use just for kicking. Mm -hmm. And so those those footballs, you know, they are shipped directly to the referee um, before the game, and they come right from you know either the the manufacturer of the league. You know, they're 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 monitored. Okay, so and what used to happen in the eighties was, you know, the, the balls would, um, arrive and the home team kind of had, uh, con quote unquote control over them. Mm. So the kickers, a lot of times would get those footballs and, you know, rub them down, <laughs> scuff them up a little bit. You know, one of the things that was somewhat popular at the time was you, you know, uh, football teams have those big industrial, um, dryers to dry lo loads of clothes, a <laughs> yeah. lot of clothes right. and towels and stuff that put the footballs in the dryer for a while, you know, heat them up, um, make them more balloonish, you know, softer, and you could really kick them, boom them. Well, that's over. That doesn't happen anymore. And so the referee gets the footballs uh, in a sealed container. They're shipped to him 
to this whatever stadium uh, the the home team, and um, you know the referee has total control over those at all times. So you're kicking footballs that are, uh, if you've ever felt a football that um, comes directly, you know, new out of the box, an NFL ball especially, it has a little bit of a glaze on it maybe, mm. and uh, they're hard as bricks. Yeah. So, okay, so there's that you have to adjust to. And then the other thing is uh, NFL special teams coaches demand that you kick the ball to a spot because – uh, in college, maybe, um, in addition to the softer balls, they, they'll just let the punter punt, punt it far, you know, or or try and, you know, if you're at the around the 50-yard line, you know, you try and drop it in somewhere, you know, where they can down it. But in the NFL, they, they expect you to kick, for example, um, outside the numbers to the left or outside the numbers to the right or, you know, the directional punting because that's how they – set the coverage because if you don't do that you know you just boom the, the ball down the middle of the field you know it, it, I, I'm kicking your coverage you've heard that phrase yes um the nfl returners will you know bring it right back uh and so that's that's also part of the adjustment for these new uh new kickers so presley harvin was uh, inconsistent last year i think is a fair um judgment I don't know that it's, it had specifically to do with, you know, his directional punting, um, but I would imagine that that was, you know, an adjustment, and the K balls were an adjustment. But yesterday, I mean, he was he really aired out his. You leg. saw why I, they I was, used the draft pick on him yesterday. Yes, I mean he had at least six, and I'm I'm keeping, you know, the way I keep these stats is, um, from what you, you measure punts from the line of scrimmage, and then wherever the ball would hit because, you know, it's not a specific, um, you know, you don't count the roll. I don't right. because it's, it's practice. So he had at least six that were 60 plus. Hmm. And then he kicked one out of the end zone that traveled over 70 yards in the air. Um, and they were high. So you can certainly see, you know, how he could, uh, you know, light up a workout uh, for NFL scouts, uh, and I, I got like you said, uh, that's a big help to the defense, especially if you can flip the field um, in terms of field position. So uh, yeah, it was. It's weird to when you. Well, it's, let me say this: it's very unusual for me to be totally uh, captivated by a punter um, <laughs> during a practice. You know, all due respect to the punters. Um, they're punters, uh, and, uh, valuable in their own way. But to say the punter was the star of a practice to me, really, you better, you better be doing something like Presley Arvin did yesterday. And what it was, it was a show, uh, truly. And he was, and again, as I mentioned, he was the only punter. So he was kicking every one. Right. I mean, it wasn't like, you, you know, you kick two and the other guy kicks two. So you get a little bit of a break. I mean, he was out there for the entire period 11, 12 minutes, whatever they are. And uh, he took every rep, and they were not using the jugs machine to shoot those down the field. He was he was using his right leg. So, uh, yeah, very impressive display. And I'm sure that uh, Danny Smith, special teams coordinator, is looking for more of that from him uh, for this season. 
defenses especially liking what they see out of him so far that's going to help them tremendously and Tomlin talked about the defense at the end of his uh, press conference that we played in the last segment you know he talked about the two-minute drill and how the defense appears to be warming up to the drill offense was dominant early in camp but now it seems to be leaning towards the defensive side more often than not uh, I, you know, I don't want to, you know, make any assumptions here, Labs, but I got a feeling that there's going to be a handful of games this year where the defense is going to be on the field. Minute 50 left, you need to stop this offense from getting into field goal range, getting a touchdown to win the game for your team. So love that I see the defense, you know, really starting to put together a consistent streak of closing out these drills. Hopefully that translates to the regular season and closing out other teams and getting wins. Yeah, I mean, because... um we talked about this a little bit last week in advance of the preseason opener. Um, you know, Mike Tomlin used the uh, word dominant to uh, list his expectations mm-hmm. during that appearance on the DVE morning show. And so um, for the Mike Tomlin show that appears uh, on the Steelers radio network in advance of uh, all games, uh, one of the things I asked him was, you know, I, I read him back his quote, and I said, so what, in your mind, qualifies as dominant? Is it statistics? Is it winning awards, um, you know, rankings, you know, whatever? And he said that um, dominant defenses smile in the face of adversity. He said the offense turns the ball over and puts them on a short field. They stand up. They stand up in the weighty moments, goal line, short yardage, two minute. You know, dominant means a lot of things. And I was thoughtful when I said it because I want them to be what we need them to be whenever we need them to be it. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Uh, and I, I do believe that there are going to be games, especially maybe early in the season as the offense, you know, tries to find its footing with the new quarterback and, you know, all that kind of stuff where, yeah, you're going to need the defense uh, not only to stop the opponent, as you mentioned, but maybe to create some opportunity for the offense with takeaways. Uh, so, um, yeah, I, I think for uh, if you look at the, the makeup of this current team and what we project it to be here in a couple of weeks once they get down to 53 players, most of the stars are on defense. And, you know, they're going to need those guys to produce. They're going to need their stars to play like stars. And, you know, Cam Hayward is one, Minka Fitzpatrick is one, T.J. Watt is one. I mean, that's that's just three obvious ones, and you have one at each level of the defense. So, um, yeah, it's it, – it, early in camp, when as Mike Tomlin was saying, the offense was dominating these drills early, I was thinking, you know, it's kind of a good news, bad news thing. You know, wow, the offense is better than I thought. And then you start thinking, <laughs> wow, this, this defense not going to be as good as I thought. Um, but again, things have turned now after that one, um, uh, two minute session where Mason Rudolph took the team down the field and stuck it in the end zone. And then Kenny Pickett two plays, he only needed two plays and he did it again. I thought, you know, this is kind of really a good news, bad news thing because <laughs> right. your a rookie quarterback should not be making it look that easy, uh, against your defense, even if it's the second group. So, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of come back now to more of what I th- expected in terms of how these drills are working out, uh, you know, as to which unit wins. 
Well, one guy that I'm sure is letting the offense hear about it every time the defense wins <laughs> is Cam Hayward. And the defensive captain spoke to the media before practice yesterday. Let's take a listen to what Cam had to say. He's vocal and loves to have fun, but I think it comes down to, you know, um, understanding what the offense needs. Uh, if they need a kick in the butt, sometimes you got to give it to them. Um, you know, if, if they're you know, really, you know, um, rolling on all cylinders, uh, you know, patting guys on the back, under, making them understand that, uh, you know, we're doing a great job and make sure that the momentum builds in the right way. Sometimes a leader's best quality is just understanding the flow of the game. What's the difference between one and two? How much change? How much more are you going to do? What are you going to look for for this second? I don't know. Um, you know, Coach T's got a plan. He doesn't share it with us often. Um, but you know, my goal is to be ready for week one. Uh, to do that, um, I'm getting reps right now in practice. Uh, if I play, I play. If I don't, I don't. You know, I think um, everybody goes through confidence uh, issues and, you know, you start to question what, what you're doing out there. Obviously, when you feel like you have more confidence in your knee, you're able to do a lot more. Um, you know, you're able to, you know, accelerate, uh, plant. Um, and we're just looking for him to keep doing that. Um, you know, he's only had one showing, and I know he's been going through practice and just trying to get really good reps and really push the thing. So, um, you know, he's just going to grow in that confidence. I'm excited for him. Yeah, you know, I think um, every year a young player should be at Sunday. Uh, and I think for a guy like Devin, uh, obviously he didn't have the year he wanted, but you know he's coming with the right mindset. Uh, he's running. Um, he seems like he's a lot more confident in what he's doing out there, uh, and that's just the growth in the defense as well. Campbell, what do you need to see from him to know he's back? Uh, I don't know. Um, you know, there'll be a player too. You'll see and be like. Um, you know, the will stand out. But the thing I loved about De what Devin did in the last game that didn't get a lot of credit, uh, he moved around the ball. Um, he was able to stem on the line before the play was actually snapped. That let us know, like, he really understands the defense. He understands what the quarterback's thinking. Uh, and those are the things you look for in, a, you know, a third or fourth-year guy. Um, and so, you know, Devin's going to grow, in, like, physically, but I think the mental part of the game is just going to exceed itself as well. That's Steelers defensive captain speaking to the media before practice, and he really sounded like a captain the way he handled those Devin Bush questions. You know, he kind of conceded, you know, yeah, I understand why these questions are being asked, and there's a lot riding on Devin's shoulders this year for him to bounce back, but he handled it so well. He talked about how he believes that he will ascend this year, and that last answer especially, you know, giving us some insight on something that he did well in the preseason game. A little refreshing to hear because you turn on the radio labs the past couple of days, it's been how terrible Devin Bush was in the game. Nice to hear Cam Hayward, you know, say, hey, you know, it's not all bad. He did a couple of things that I, I really noticed and really liked out there. And Cam would know because he was watching from the sidelines in a coach's kind of view. Yeah, I, I, I have to admit, you know, that my ability to break down uh, the intricacies of inside linebacker play are, are not, you know, up to maybe other experts, so to speak, his teammates, 
uh, other people who have played the game who understand the Steelers scheme, you know, that, that kind of stuff. Um, so, you know, I hesitate to, to try and really delve into this too deeply because, you know, I don't know yeah. um, if, if this is necessarily, you know, if, if a running play gains eight yards, is it Devin Bush's fault? I don't know that. Um, you know, I do know that last year's defensive line uh, was kind of ruined by injuries, and that certainly had to impact things that were going on in terms of trying to stop the run. Stephon Tuitt didn't play at all. Uh, Tyson Alualu played, I think, a, a game in a, a quarter or something like that before you know he had that injury and then was lost for the rest of the season. And the and the makeup of the Steelers' defensive line at that point of that season, it wasn't yet capable to absorb those kinds of losses to the top of the depth chart right. and perform the way you know it needed to perform. I've told this story a bunch of times. That one of the first things, one of the first media availabilities that Joe Schobert had after the Steelers acquired him for that six-round pick in like about this, well, maybe a little later, around this time, a little later in August last year, one of the things he said, you know, it's, this is a guy who's a pro bowl inside linebacker. He said, I can't wait to play behind this defensive line. Mm -hmm. Okay, and at that time... You know, I'm sure Joe Schober thought that that defensive line was going to include those two guys that I just mentioned who didn't, who played not at all or very little last year. Right. And there's no question that uh, run defense on a 3-4, uh, the inside linebackers depend on the um, defensive linemen to occupy blockers, create lanes for them to be able to, you know, go sideline to sideline or up the field and make tackles. Um, Devin Bush is 220, something like that. I mean, he's not a big guy. And so uh, I'm sure that he was impacted by the defensive line issues last year as well, in addition to trying to come back from um, that knee injury. So there are factors that work there, that, and I can't, get, I can't put a finger on it and say, well, it's 10% this, 20% this. 40% this, if you fix those things, then he's 100%. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, just, I just can't do that. Um, I do know also in conversations years ago with Jack Ham, you know, he would talk glowingly about the work that the Steelers defensive line did in keeping those linebackers clean, you know, and two of those guys are in the Hall of Fame, by the way. So, you know, how good would Jack Lambert have been if Joe Green and Ernie Holmes weren't in front of him in the middle <laughs> Uh, just torturing those offensive linemen. I, I don't know. I'm not going to try and uh, demean Jack Lambert's Hall of Fame career by saying that, you know, he owes it all to the defensive <laughs> linemen. But I do think that, you know, that kind of stuff goes hand in hand. Um, just like uh, I'm sure the defensive line needed uh, the aggressiveness and the uh, ability to diagnose plays that, you know, Ham and Lambert brought to it. Uh, Ham and Lambert needed uh, L.C. Greenwood and those guys to keep them clean so that they could do the, some of those things. Um, I, I wish I, I wish I had the Devin Bush answer. I really do. I think I everybody do think does though, right now, honestly. Yeah, I do think that you know inside linebacker is an issue that the Steelers uh, have to somehow find a solution to because while Robert Spillane has has some qualities, uh, he is not. 
the kind of guy you want to have out there if the other team is throwing the ball a lot. Uh, he's just not that kind of player that he can uh, really good in coverage, someone that you can uh, put on uh, opposing receivers and have a high level of confidence that he's going to be able to neutralize them. So uh, that's kind of what you spent uh, the draft capital and money that comes with it to move up to the 10th overall pick to pick Devin Bush. And you know, the thing to me is I remember him as a rookie. I thought the guy was a real player uh, and his statistics back that up. Now he hasn't been that guy since he injured his knee. So, you know, the detective in me says the knee injury was part of the problem. Yeah. Um, so now it's, is it a physical thing with the knee or is it a mental thing that he has to rebuild the confidence in a part of his body that he's depended on for his entire athletic life, uh, doing some, doing things that all of a sudden then he couldn't do anymore. So, um, you know, as I said, I don't, I don't have the answer. I do think though the Steelers need to investigate this and either find different ways of doing things with the personnel that they have, or, you know, um, maybe there, maybe you have to seek other solutions elsewhere. They certainly do need to investigate, though. It is certainly something that is worrying a lot of fans and I'm sure coaches as we approach the start of the season. We come back, we're going to look at the Steelers' secondary. Been a very steady force for the Steelers throughout all of training camp, so we'll touch on them briefly as we wrap things up on the training camp report on Steelers Nation Radio. This is the Training Camp Report with Tom Offerman and Bob Labriola on Steelers Nation Radio. Wrapping things up here on today's Training Camp Report. Practice today at 155 at St. Vincent College in Latrobe. Uh, only the second to last one that is open to the public. So if you want to get up there and see your Steelers and you haven't yet, you only got today and tomorrow to do so. Labs, one position group that I think hasn't really been talked about much in a positive way but mainly in a negative way it hasn't been brought up either, is that secondary. And they've done some positive things. You noticed, you know, Akella Witherspoon and Arthur Millette making a lot of plays and run support. You saw that play out against Seattle on Saturday in the preseason game with both of those gentlemen. Uh, the secondary just seems to be very steady, making plays in practice. Uh, haven't really seen them get tested in the passing game yet in a game situation. I have a feeling that might change this Saturday. Trevor Lawrence isn't exactly, you know, the next Joe Montana, but there's a lot of talent with him, and I do expect him to play at least a full quarter, if not a full half for Jacksonville. So I am sure that the Steelers' secondary will get a decent test through the air this week that they'll have to, you know, pass with flying colors. Yeah, um, you know, a lot of times you really don't see or um, really um, it, it doesn't jump out at you as much uh, what the secondary does or doesn't do in practice uh, versus games. Because, you know, even in tackle football the drills up here, those are usually running plays. And so, you know, as you mentioned, some of the things that we have seen from certain defensive backs that, you know, doing in a, in a positive way have come against the run. Um, there's no hitting uh, receivers. You know, I, I, I do recall a handful at least of occasions where you know Minka Fitzpatrick will um, occasionally uh, do a flyby on a on a receiver yeah. who's running across the middle um, and you he is moving fast and you know if, if you're paying attention and 
I, I like to pay attention to him. I, I've liked Minka Fitzpatrick as a player since, you know, his college days at Alabama. I just thought this guy's a big play always waiting to happen. But, you know, you watch him, and he's working uh, on his technique and, you know, detail as well because when he's doing these flybys past receivers, you know, he's, he's adjusting his body so that if he was going to make contact, it would be with his shoulder into the player's chest, which is legal. Yep. Um, so, you know, in games, that collision is going to happen. You know, whether it gets called or not, you know, we have to see. I mean, uh, I think too often defensive backs get penalized for, I uh, hit him too hard. Well, you know, if you hit him according to the rules, too hard isn't against the rules. Uh, so those are things I think that we won't see until the games are played. Um, you know, the cornerbacks, well, George Pickens makes cornerbacks look bad. Yeah. And a lot of times in training camp practices, the drills are structured in a way that you really can't help but look bad as a defensive back because you can't sack the quarterback. Yeah, there's no real pressure that so, quarterback's feeling. Right. So, um, you know, try and cover George Pickens all over the field <laughs> with a quarterback not being under, you know, can't get hit. It, it's, it can't happen. Um, so, anyway, I, I think we'll get a better uh, – view of the Steelers secondary here certainly in Jacksonville and then maybe in the preseason finale depending upon how the two uh, respective coaches Dan Campbell and Mike Tomlin choose to play that game because um, that that could be anything from you know a glorified scrimmage to uh, a real dress rehearsal for the regular season so we're gonna have to see but um, you know Levi Wallace and Akella Weatherspoon have done some good things uh, they've gotten beat some, as I said, and that's going to happen uh, in training camp with the way you know practices are structured with the rules, which you're allowed and not allowed to do. So, um, you know, I, I think that you're right about the, the Jacksonville situation, and uh, we, we should get a better – well, let me say this. We should get more of a look or idea of what the defensive uh, secondary can be or what it needs to become. Aside from Minka, who's a superstar, uh, is Arthur Moletta a guy that's really caught your attention throughout this camp? I know he had a, a minor hamstring injury that came up yesterday. Tomlin described him as day-to-day. Shouldn't be a problem. Expect him to probably make the 53-man roster as long as you know he can work his way back pretty quickly. Uh, but uh, Mollette makes a lot of plays in the running game. Uh, I don't want to call him Mike Hilton, but maybe we got a little Mike Hilton light going on here with Mollette. Yeah, and, and I think that Arthur Mollette is – um, a lock to make the team. Uh, the question in my mind is, when games start to count, what do they do with Cam Sutton? Yeah, because the you know the I won't say the easy thing, but it certainly would uh, the thing that makes sense if you're looking to get your three best corners on the field uh, would be Levi Wallace and Akella Weatherspoon on the outside and Cam Sutton in the in the slot. Um, but you know, then that, that kind of takes Arthur Millette out of the regular mix. Right. Uh, I don't know that I'm ready to say that Arthur Millette is as good as Cam Sutton in the, in the middle there, mm-hmm. uh, or in the center of the field. But, uh, you mentioned, yes, he has been making more plays 
against the run than he did last year. Plays that you know we had come to associate with Mike Hilton. So, you know the the comparisons I think are, are natural and normal. Uh, but uh, you know he's a guy that he has some NFL experience. Uh, has played in the league a little bit. He 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 played a good bit last year. But I I do think that the Steelers uh, at at I'm, I don't know early in the early middle part of the season made the decision that you know Cam Sutton. Uh, Joe Hayden and um, no, God, I, I can't I can't think of who the other guy was. Oh, um, too now. All right. Well, anyway, uh, but those were the th- <laughs> those were the three best the three best corners. So um, you know, there's still two preseason games to go. A, a few more uh, weeks of preseason practice, football like situations, to use Mike Tomlin's yep. phrase. Uh, so we'll find out how that all works out. Well, practice today starts at 1.55 on the campus of St. Vincent. Like I said, it is the penultimate practice of training camp that is open Ooh, to the public. You like that? Nice Thousand word there, word. young boy. I looked it up yeah. in the breaks. <laughs> my thesaurus out. Penultimate open to the public practice today up at St. Vincent. So if you want to get up there and see your Steelers at training camp, you got to do it today or tomorrow. Those are your last two chances. Labs and I will be back to wrap up the training camp report. Our final episode will be tomorrow morning. We'll take a look ahead to Jacksonville and preview everything you need to look for in Saturday's preseason game. Wolf and Starks are in the locker room up next right here on SNR. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.